Hey guys, hope all is well. Today we'll be doing podcast number three with co-host John Harder-Phillis and special guest Caleb Cooper. So, John, would you like to start us off today? Sure thing, Lee. Um, Coach, so excited to have you on and if um, really excited to jump right into your experience and everything you've been up to. Can you give us a quick little introduction on your maybe your, your life with basketball, your career, how this has all played out for you? Definitely. No, John, Lee, really appreciate both of you having me on today. Uh, I've been really fortunate to have a great journey around the game of basketball. Uh, I grew up with it. My dad played at the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, so from a young age, basketball was almost given to uh, given to both my younger brother and I. Um, so we grew up playing the game. We would always work out at the park, work out in the gym, in the basement in the winters when it was cold outside. So we really spent a lot of time throughout our childhood playing basketball. And that's ultimately where I fell in love with the game. Uh, I was a four-year uh, basketball player. I went to Lenape High School in South Jersey, uh, played for a very good high school um, head coach and assistant coach that, that coached some of the best players. Uh, Jason Thompson is kind of our claim to fame. He played for the Kings back in the day. He's one of the, the only NBA player, I believe, that's ever went to Lenape. So we had a pretty good tradition of, of, of an NBA player as well, some really good um, college players come through our program, so really good coaching staff. Um, that again kind of just shows you that love of the game and, and how important coaches was coaches were to the game uh went to westchester university for undergrad and, and was planning on being a walk-on at the team for the team and just quickly realized that that's not really where my heart was anymore and traded in my my, my kicks for a polo so i uh, i started coaching my sophomore year um, of undergrad i was a girls assistant for the varsity and jv team at westchester east high school that was a great time getting to learn from coach lastrani um, in her program she does a really great job over there um, at westchester east and then my senior year uh, my junior and senior year of college i actually transitioned over to west town and being an assistant over there and, and this is going into year three um, at west town currently and it's been an absolutely great journey um, both at Westchester East and um, West Town, getting to learn from two great head coaches, went on the women's side, went on the men's side. Um, but at the end of the day, I had the opportunity to positively infect my players, um, both the, the girls I coached at East and the, the guys that I coach at West Town still stay in contact with all of the players that I've had the opportunity and good fortune of coaching. Um, and they always know that no matter what happens, I'm always here to support them, whether that's in life and basketball or anything in between. So I think that uh, it's been a great journey. Uh, being able to travel the country, uh, meet a lot of great influential people in this business and, and just have the opportunity to learn and grow each and every day um, from our players and our coaching staff. That was awesome. And one thing that really stuck out to me was what you said about trading in your kicks for a polo. That was awesome. Uh, that's something I'm definitely writing down. I'm going to remember that because people always ask me about when I went into coaching high school basketball, right, right after I graduated, graduated from high school, actually, everyone was like, oh, everyone always asked me about that, that whole um, desire to play in college and and, and and all that whole experience. I'm curious to ask you, I mean, when it comes to your, your experiences and all the lessons you learned and the steps that you've taken, um, what was that that decision like for you? And and because mentally, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining it was a big tug of war between your desire to play and your desire to, to coach. Um, what, what did that all, uh, how did that all play out? Uh, it was definitely a tough decision. I mean, I think I, I can't tell you exactly when I started playing, but I mean, I've been playing competitive basketball for over 15 years. So having to make the decision to stop was ultimately really tough. Um, Westchester's in a really good position as a D2 school. A lot of the times they're recruiting division one type athletes that maybe don't have the academic requirements to make it to a division one school. So although we are a division two school, we had division one talent on our roster. And it was just a, I wanna say an executive decision. 
Um, it was better for me to enter a profession that I loved uh, over maybe some would say wasting time in practice. And although I would be getting better and helping my team get better in practice, I don't think I was ever really going to play meaningful minutes. And I just felt like my time would be better served giving back to the game than giving me so much um, as opposed to just continuing to play um, and, and trying to get myself better with, uh, obviously I wasn't going to make it to the NBA or, or play professionally. So I just thought, why not um, affect positive change while coaching and keeping the game still in my life, um, going to practice, going on bus trips, hotel stays, different things like that. I was living the life of a player, but almost as a coach, because I think it's, I'm in a great situation because I'm so young and our players are in high school, we have a lot of things in common and can relate to a lot of different things because the same things that they're going through now, I went through four or five years ago. So I think that's also been a great aspect for me to better relate to my players is because I went through some of the things that they're going through. So whether that's girls or parties or picking a college and, and talking to coaches and building relationships and kind of giving my insight on what coaches I think are really gonna care for them and what coaches might just be trying to tell them things um, so they get them to sign with their school. I think there's a lot of things that I can kind of be a big brother, kind of the fun uncle type um, outside of basketball, which has been really great for me. Yeah, like I can de I can definitely relate to that. Like you being like the big brother type for your basketball players at West Ham because like for me, like I was a manager in high school and like now like at Syracuse, like I still am connected with my high school team so like I can easily relate to them because I know, even though as a manager, I can, I still know what they went through and like what I went through during my time there. So it was just great how we were able to, how we were able to relate to that. No, hundred percent. And I have to give a huge shout out to managers and support staff members. We were actually just talking about this, Lee and I, before we started the call. I think this year, more than ever, those individuals are getting the respect that they do because I think the work that they do is tireless and it all it almost always goes unnoticed. But I know a lot of social media teams um, with a lot of Division One college basketball teams are starting to showcase the hard work that managers and support staff members are displaying on a daily basis. And I think that since I've got the opportunity over the course of the pandemic to get to know Jake and Ashton and grow the game and, and the different managers that are part of that organization, it's been really great to see the hard work those individuals are putting in on a daily basis. Yeah, and that's something like grow the game, rising coaches, we'll definitely get to that later on the podcast. And like, just to give a little snippet before we get to that section is like when I joined in July, like, like I just learned so much immediately right after that and like see how much hard work they put in, like especially like Jake and Ashton, like they put in so much work in you too as well. Like you guys put all all like so much work and like like we'll talk later in the podcast more in depth about like you bring in like Coach Hamilton for on Zoom and like Coach Martin from Missouri. Like we'll talk about that later, but like like I just been learning from you and like learning from those coaches, like what they like, just everything about basketball kind of. No, it's been great. I think at West Sound, I have a really great platform because again, we have really talented players. Obviously Lee knows Bull. Um, Bull was a player at West Town for us his senior year. So, I mean, a Syracuse player, Cam Reddish, Mo Bamba, Daniel Ochefu, um, those are all three of the more recognizable players that we have in the NBA. We have several players playing in the G League. Jonathan Kasibab, who's playing with the Spurs G League team. Uh, Brandon Randolph is playing with the Bucks G League team. They're not in a bubble, but he's on their Bucks G League team when they return to play next year. So our head coach has done a really great job of bringing in great talent, but also great individuals to the program over the 14 years that he's been here. But getting to know so many different college coaches because they're recruiting our players 
um, allows me the opportunity to have Leonard Hamilton, Jalen Worley, our senior point guard is actually committed to Florida State. So I've gotten to know Coach Jones, Coach Steve Smith, Coach Leonard Hamilton down at Florida State really well over Jalen's recruiting process, as well as now that he's committed, just staying, keeping them up to date with how he's doing. And all those guys make themselves more than welcome uh, to hop on podcasts and, and Zoom calls and share some of that knowledge. And I think it's been really great because the average person, if you think about it, doesn't have access to Stan Jones, the associate head coach of Florida State, um, or Leonard Hamilton, the head coach of Florida State, or like you said, Quanzo Martin, the head coach of Missouri. Most, the average person, the average coach won't have access to those players. And I take really great pride in giving um, the rising coaches community, my Twitter followers, anyone that reaches out, interested in attending any of the Zooms or podcasts that I've hosted, um, have no problem sending them the link because I think that's an opportunity for growth. And then I'm ultimately helping grow the game which is ultimately what I think all coaches should be doing to help all of our players get better. Because if we're the best coaches we could be, our players are going to be the best players they can be as well. Awesome stuff to think about. And, and, and I can't wait to go more in depth on all that stuff with rising coaches. I mean, Lee, I know you and Lee have that connection and can't wait to go um, deeper into that because it's so important to share the game. I'm still a little caught up and, and, and super excited about everything you're doing with coaching at a young age. And I'm kind of curious too, as to what kind of lessons did you learn maybe through coaching uh, uh, players that are so that are so close to you in age that when you, when you kind of went into it, maybe your first few games, you weren't expecting to, to, to see these, maybe whether they're lessons, problems, you weren't, you weren't expecting to see these things come up, but as time went on, you're like, wow, okay, I really should like that. This is advice. I wish I, I knew from the beginning, cause it would have helped me with whether it's relationship building or, 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 or keeping guys, um, attentive. What did that look like for you? Um, so I think it was definitely tough. I think coming from West, uh, Westchester, where I was going to be a walk-on player as well as Lenape, I mean, the, the, the level of basketball was not the same as the level as, as Westtown. Obviously at Westtown, like right now, we probably, Frank Kepnang is a freshman at Oregon who reclassed up. So before Frank reclassed up, we probably had three and three future NBA players on our team this year, two right now in Jalen Worley and Derek Lively. So I think the level of competition, the level of play was much higher than I was ever accustomed to. So I quickly had to adjust to that. Um, my first year, I, I didn't say very much. I was pretty much a sponge that, that absorbed all of the information that I could. And looking back on it, I think that was great because I was able to build a relationship with my players outside of basketball because basketball wise, I couldn't really help them. I never heard of terms like icing a ball screen or blitzing a ball screen or drop coverage. I never really heard of those things. So when it came to, Hey, coach Caleb, what do I do when they're dropping in a ball screen? I'm not sure. Let me, let me ask Seth and I'll get back to you. That was a lot of the, a lot of the interactions that I had with my players my first year at Westtown, but because I wasn't able to help them with basketball, I was able to help them off the court way more. So when I came back in year two, I coached AU um, that summer. I kind of got my basketball IQ kind of up to the level of where it should be. I think it's continuing to grow um, to this day in year three, but I was able to help them basketball-wise in year two, and it only helped strengthen our relationships because of the relationship that we had built the first year that had nothing to do with basketball. So I think that's the biggest thing, no matter what level you're at, if you're going somewhere for the first time, your first your first manager job, your first assistant coaching job, your first Dobo video coordinator spot, whatever the case may be, just be an absolute sponge on the wall. I think there's so many opportunities to learn from players, from coaches um, that have both been there and have great experiences on staff. So I think that's a really great opportunity. 
And then I just think that one of the lessons that I learned was I did everything that was non-basketball related to the highest level. So whether that was erasing the board so that I could hand it to Seth as soon as he called a timeout or as soon as we saw the other team have a timeout. So whatever play he had in his mind, it wasn't going to be lost in the, the commotion of a timeout. He had that right in front of him as soon as a timeout was called, making sure that Waters um, were available for our guys, making sure that they were filled and enough were filled for the first half and then at halftime filling the Waters back up for the second half. There's so many little tasks that were that I did my first year because I wanted to contribute to the program because I couldn't really contribute basketball wise. So I would always take the jerseys home and wash those. I would uh, wash the towels. I went to Dick's and bought uh, some sports towels for our guys so that they could have those during the game just to cool off a little bit. Just trying to find different ways to add value to our coaching staff as well as our players because again, I wasn't really able to contribute to the team basketball wise. And I didn't want to feel like I wasn't doing my due diligence and serving my serving in my role. So again, I tried to find all the things that I could do to help the team win off the court or non-basketball wise. So like I said, making bring chewing gum. I think our, our head coach loves to chew gum during the game, making sure that I brought that every game, have a baggie with extra pens, extra markers, um, uh, uh, a little rag to erase the board, different things like that. Just again, trying to find ways to help the team win non-basketball wise. That's so key, and it's a lesson that is goes even way past uh, just coaching. It goes into whether it's playing, goes into it's a it's a life lesson too, in terms of do, uh, doing your role, doing your purpose to the best of your ability. Even if maybe like you you want to you you'd like to coach more basketball, but the, your, the best thing you could do is is everything you just mentioned with the whiteboard. That's what you could do best. That's what you and, that, and that's what helps can help the team both play uh, play to its best ability. So it's so cool that you're able to do that. Um, that's obviously a lesson from. Um, back a year or two ago, when you when you when we were actually able to coach in person and, and have that, what's coaching been like for you over the last few months? Uh, well, actually, now now we're heading in on a year um, with the pandemic. How has that kind of affected both maybe how you communicate with players, how often you're able to see them, um, how are you able to still have a positive impact on their lives um, under the situation of the pandemic? So we're actually really fortunate. Um, we started back in August. August we had several guys living on campus, and we would bring. Um, we would work out with our on-campus living students at West Town's gym and the kids, uh, the students that were living off campus, we, we found the gym at an off-site location and we're working out with them. So in the fall, we were able to get some really good work in with our guys. We actually played in a hoop group tournament. Um, so obviously coaching in a mask has been difficult. I think communication, um, we have like a, I guess a mobile, a mobile whiteboard. So we, if, if, if we get to a point where players can't hear a coach or they can't see the signal from too far away, coach will tell me what play he wants to run. I'll write it down on the board and we'll hold that up. So the guys can see what play, um, we want them to run, uh, trying to think what else we, we took a, we took a quick, uh, a break, a pause in between, I want to say Thanksgiving and Christmas, just to give our guys um, some downtime to recover. We had been going from August to almost Thanksgiving. We, we Our season kept getting pushed back. We didn't know when we were going to play. So we gave our guys that that month and a half to really recover, rest their bodies, spend time with their families, because we didn't know what the what the winter season would look like when we got back in January. We were fortunate enough to get back in January. We started our first practice, I want to say January 4th. And we've been going strong, haven't had a positive case since. Um, we practice with masks. We play with masks. The officials wear masks during games. Um, everyone in the gym wears masks. Our athletic directors, the scorekeeper, our trainers all wear masks. Um, so that's been great. The, the safety precautions that our school has put in place have been really, really great. We all feel like we're in a safe environment um, whenever we're practicing or playing. 
but I think everything, everything else has been the same. I think that we, we practice five or six days a week right now. We're playing two games on Friday and one or two games on Sunday. So we're playing four games every weekend. And we've been doing that for about six weeks now. So we've been able to spend some really great time with our players. Um, they work out their strength and conditioning coach two or three times a week. So they're still continuing to put on muscle while they're um, in the season, which is super important. We have really great um, strength and conditioning coach that really takes play, that really takes care of our players. Um, so, I mean, I think we've been really fortunate to ultimately not really be not really be dealing with the, the negative ramifications of COVID. Uh, we typically play a national schedule. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to do that because we're not able to travel like we normally um, do. So we're currently playing teams that are more local um, to the Philadelphia area. So that's been great. We have won 11 games in a row. So right now we're sitting at four and four with two games today and we have one game on Sunday. So hopefully we can win three more, get the 17 and four before we start our playoff um, our state playoff run next week. So we are sitting at a really good spot, really great team. Like I said, Jalen Worley is a point guard, 21, 21 point guard that's committed to Florida State. Derek Lively just got a 7-2 power forward center, just got a North Carolina offer two weeks ago. Uh, Alpha Bangor, 2021 wing, Namir Little, both of those guys have been playing out of their minds lately. They're both 2021 kids that don't have a college home. So we're working extremely hard to try and get them college homes for next year. Uh, and the right system with the right coaching staff to help them get better and hope and, and eventually reach their highest uh, their highest goals of getting to the NBA. So we're doing uh, we're doing really well. We uh, again we we wish we could be doing more, but for what we're doing, we're making the best of it and trying to help our players get better each and every day. So that's kind of where we're at with all that's going on right now. That's great. And like, congrats on like the on, on the eleven straight wins. Now be good for you guys, of course, and. Let's transition into the, ne the next section with advising coaches and go to the games. Like, what have you learned from that? Like, being on Zoom calls, not just from, like, coaches, but like, also, like, guys like Jay Billis and, like, other guys who are not really basketball coaches but are in basketball in general. Well, again, I think the the late night zooms, what we call them on Grow the Game, were, were really great as a, as a person that does want to be a Division One head coach eventually. I was able to learn from managers who were in those positions, um, hearing stories how they don't necessarily always get gear or they're they're not always given the team meal that the rest of the team is get is is receiving that night. So I think there's just little things that are in the back of my mind to make sure that I always do the opposite of those things. Again, realizing how hard managers worked. I never really heard of managers in college before I met um, Jake and, and the rest of the Grow the Game crew and, and just hearing what they do on a daily basis and how much they're actually contributing to winning is very impressive. So I kind of know what to look for, what I want in a manager if I ever have the opportunity to run, uh, to lead my own program. So I know what what I would be looking for in managers and video coordinators and support staff positions, different things like that. But I think ultimately it's just the relationships that have been built. Um, I don't care if I never get a job from any of the individuals that I've met from Grow the Game. I know that I just have, I don't even know how many, 20, 30, 40 new friends that I didn't have before the pandemic that I can talk to about basketball. Um, uh, Jared Crumpley at Loyola Chicago asked for a live stream when they start um, their playoff run. He's going to be um, uh, he's going to be quarantining in a hotel when he first gets there. So he, he wants to watch as much basketball as possible. And obviously West sounds super talented. So he wants to watch. And that's just a great relationship, sending that over to him, allowing him to, to watch us play, get any feedback that he sees um, that we can improve on as we, as we get ready for our playoff run. I think it's just been really great. The relationships that have been built um, through rising coaches, through grow the game, just through Twitter and Instagram, and just having the opportunity to be on zoom calls 
and podcasts like this with so many different people over the course of the pandemic, I really think it was a blessing in disguise. Although thousands of people lost their lives due to COVID, I think looking positively um, on the situation, it was a really great opportunity to get to know so many different individuals in the basketball world, um, in the NBA world, the G League world, and get to see what those people's, those individuals' experiences have been like get to learn from them and build relationships with them and, and share resources. I think that's the biggest thing, again, sharing the game and helping coaches help their players be the best players they could be on and off the court. So like connecting with coaches, like what have you, what have you learned from like guys like coach Hamilton and coach Morgan, like, and like also like coach McLean from Houston, like what have you learned from those guys? Like, and then like, like asking them to come on Zoom, surprising coaches. Like, what was that like too? Like trying to get them on. Um, so it's been great. I mean, I think anytime you have the opportunity to learn from individuals that have been successful in this business, it's been especially great. I think uh, Leonard Hamilton and Coach Martin um, are two absolutely great individuals that I've loved getting to um, to know over the course of the pandemic, specifically because. Um, they're both African-American head coaches, which is what I aspire to be, and being able to learn through some of the struggles and, and, and victories that they both have had over the course of their careers have been absolutely great to learn from. Um, but I think it's it's just the, the value that you can add to those staffs. I think that's the biggest thing that I've been able to learn. If you do want to make it in this business, you need to find ways to add value. So whether that be uh, trying to send the Florida State staff um, film edits of Worley um so that they can understand they can have a they can have the best picture of who it is they have coming down to Tallahassee next year and kind of get a head start on what what he does well what he needs to improve on if they if they want him to come in um, and play which we envision him doing uh they can avoid any kind of learning curves and, and get ahead of those beforehand I think those have been really great and same thing with coach Martin um, I don't have a player going to to Missouri, but just finding ways. If I see a, a great play on Twitter, I'll send that over to Coach Martin, get his feedback. Coach, what do you think about this? If they're in drop coverage and you hit the pit and you hit the popping big, what would you do next? How would you attack this? Different things like that. I think that's the best way that I found to uh, to add value to coaches' lives and Coach McLean, especially uh, down on staff at Houston. He's done an absolutely great job with finding ways to add value to coaches' lives. If you go through his Twitter right now, he's got probably 100 different edits of different plays that are being run in the G League bubble, um, and, the, and they're absolutely great. He's got zone plays, man plays, blob plays, slob plays. He's got really, really great content being put out. And before that, during the NBA bubble, he was doing the same thing. He was uh, That's one of the things he came on and talked about the night I had him on my call. He talked about some of the different actions that he had been seeing and clipping and putting on Twitter from the bubble. And I thought it was just really great to give him some love, give him his flowers for, for a great job that he's doing um, and just giving him the opportunity to showcase himself um, to the world. I think that's a great opportunity for him. He's, he's going to be a head coach um, very soon in this business. He, he's a great offensive and defensive minded person. I wanted to give him his flowers for the great work that he's doing. And it's just another opportunity, again, for me to share the game and help others think that's the best thing that coaches can do, help their players, help their peers, help their colleagues. And if there's anything that I can do to help someone achieve their goal, I'm more than happy to do that, which is what I've been able to do. I appreciate that a lot. Like, you you look at, like, Coach McLean, like, when we were on the Zoom call with him, like, he showed us, like, so many, like, plays. I was, like, I was learning, like, a lot because he knows, like, so much of the game and, like, these blob plays, these slot plays, like baseline bounce and sideline sideline bounce, and like also these other plays, like and let's just talk about specifically like pick like Coach Hamilton's offensive, like using 
the, the seven three guys, for example, like pick and roll situations, like do you have do you like teach your players at West Ham like those type of situations, like especially your players going to follow the state next year? So player development is huge in our program. Um, our head coach believes that um, with future NBA players, we need to have them as ready as possible when they get to college. And the college next job is to get them ready for the NBA. And obviously in the NBA currently, it's a lot of pick and roll. They're not pick and roll, using ball screen. So our, our offense is a lot of ball screen reads. And we're teaching what to look for, um, when to drag a ball screen, when to split a ball screen, when to reject the ball screen. Because in the NBA, if you want to be a great guard or a great big man, you need to know how to read uh, pick and roll or, or ball screens. So that's huge. I think one of the things I now have access to synergy. So I think that's been really great to show our players different edits. Like we have a 7-2 big man, Derek Lively. He's going to go to Kentucky, Duke, uh, Kansas, Florida State. I don't know which school just yet, but he's going to go to the highest of the high um, at the next level. And we've been working on him with tap and dive. And Clint Capella, when he was with the Rockets, was an amazing tap and dive player with James Harden and ball screens. So finding different clips of Clint tapping and diving, putting pressure on the defense, um, when he's rolling to the basket and, and putting that together and sending it to Derek, he's a visual learner. So I was able to kind of show him what the footwork looks like when you're tapping and diving. He was kind of struggling with it as we kind of talked through it with him during practice. But that video edit of him able to see Clint Capella's footwork, slow it down, speed it back up, see it in real live action was really great for him to kind of improve. Uh, our head coach's son, Quinn Berger, is a 2022 shooting uh, shooting guard and point guard. I have, I'm in the works of putting together a, a, a film edit of Eric Gordon coming off DHO's spot up threes. That's, that's Quinn's game. He's a knockdown shooter, but he's kind of struggling with this footwork and how to read, um, when he, how to read the defense when he's driving to the basket. So just trying to find, again, find ways to add value to our players has been absolutely great. And I think synergy is a great tool, um, to do that. So I think that, again, finding different, if there's a team in, in, in college basketball that's doing something similar to what we want to do, or there's a player that we feel like is similar um, to one of the players that we have on our team, it's, it's super simple now to clip those uh, before practice, after practice, take a player to the locker room, put it on the big screen TV, and just watch that with them. And I think a lot of times kids nowadays are visual learners. They need to see things. Um, to better understand them, it's really tough to, to just talk to, to just really talk through something. So we found that the synergy edits have been super helpful for our guys and helping them take that next step in their development. So, yeah, like touching on like the big guys more, like guys like John Bo Ajak on Syracuse and like Frank Kepning is now in Oregon. Like, what was it like coaching those guys and like being able to teach them the system of like being able to be that big guy and like, losing those guard traits too if they even had them like what was that what was that like developing developing them into a real big man and be potentially dominant in college basketball and further than that no definitely so i would say bull was one of the smartest basketball players that i've ever been around he knows where the ball should go he knows how plays should end so coaching him is super easy because he, he he's coming over to the bench Coach, we should be running this. They're blitzing the ball screen, so I should short roll and pass the opposite because they can't close out fast enough or if they X out, we're going to have TJ, who was our best shooter at the time, wide open for three. So he was, again, one of the smartest basketball players that I've ever been around. Um, so it's super easy to coach those guys. They're super coachable. They're great people. Um, that's bull. I mean, Frank is the best chemistry player I've ever been around in my entire life. Frank single-handedly brought our team closer together than we've ever been. Um, so he's great. He's extremely coachable as well. 
Um, he's still putting the game together. I, don't, I would say I don't know if he necessarily has the basketball IQ that Bowl had at the time of him being at West Ham, but it's soon to come. He's quickly picking up on things. And if you look at his numbers at Oregon, he wasn't playing very much to begin the season. But right now he's consistently in the rotation, sometimes the first or second guy off the bench. And that's obviously not easy to go from he was playing high school basketball in September and come January, he was playing in the Pac-12 against some of the best teams in the country. So that just goes to show you how hard a worker Frank is and the work that he put in. Uh, but we also look at it as as a big man. If you look in the NBA, Jokic and Joel Embiid are probably only two back to the basket bigs. You need to find other ways to impact the game. So Bull was a great shooter. Frank is a developing uh, three point shooter. So they both did a really good job of extending their range. Both of those guys were great free throw shooters by the time they left us. So if you were going to foul them, they were going to make they were going to punish you by putting them on the line and, and knocking down their free throws. And then rim protection, rolling to the basket. Those are two of the best um, rim protectors. Frank, especially if if you are willing to go to the basket on him, I, I really hope that you're ready to get your shot blocked because he is going to track that ball down like nobody's business. And he is uh, he takes pride in defense, which is why I loved coaching him. He uh, not many players at that high level of basketball um, take pride in defense. So it was really great to see that. And again, that that's infectious. Our, our, our guys take pride in defense because Frank takes pride in defense. So, again, that's a great culture guy. And those guys are, are great finish around the basket, great lob catchers. They run the floor super hard. They're putting pressure on the defense, collapsing the defense in, opening up for shooters on the perimeter and transition and in uh, early and in, in secondary offense as well as man-to-man and -man zone offense. So those guys, those guys are really great guys. And, and Derek's actually going to be better than both of them. Derek is probably will go down as one of the best players that we've ever had at West Town. The things that he can do at such a young age are, are absolutely amazing. Um, we do project him to go to the NBA in, in two or three years, whatever the case may be. But uh, I mean, we our head coach has done an absolutely amazing job. Mo Bamba, Frank Bull, now Derek, he's done an absolutely great job of, of potentially putting four um, of his former players in the NBA when it's all said and done. So I think that's that's the best part when you see those guys living out their dream, getting drafted. We saw Cam Reddish get drafted two years ago, seeing the amount of work that he puts in 6 a.m. every day in the gym, trying to help himself get better. When you see those guys, their goals pay off and the hard work that they put in to get to that point, that's the best feeling about this business and, and this profession. So absolutely love um, all of that and can't wait to hopefully see Frank, Derek, and, uh, and John Bowl uh, all get to experience that at some point in the near future. Yeah, like for defense, like as the saying goes, like defense wins championships. So like, Leading into this question, like, what is your coaching philosophy and, like, what are your standards for building a championship caliber team or program? So I think it all starts with a big man. If you have an elite big man that can protect the rim, that allows your guards and forwards to press up on defense. So we're a gap, um, a gap defensive team. So we're pressing up in ball pressure because if we go by, if you go by one of our on-ball defenders, not only will you have to face – the help man that's in the gap or in the help position, you'll have to face um, what has been Bull 6'10", Frank 6'11", Derek 7'2". You have to meet them at the rim. And uh, you're not going to do that at a high clip because of how long they are as well as how tall they are. So that's my, um, when I get to college, again, if I have the opportunity to have my own program, I want to start with an elite big man that can protect the rim. I think that's ultimately key. Um, the, the big man is going to center your defense. And again, it just allows you to do so many different things. Guys can go for steals. 
um, willingly knowing that if they get beat or they don't get the steal, they're again having to go into the gap defender, the defenders and help, as well as our lead big man in the middle. So I think that that's um, I love gap defense. You're you're protecting the paint. You're you're making guys shoot um, contested three pointers. You're taking away layups with the big man at the paint. So you're almost you're analytically you're you're making you're forcing the other team to take all shots that analytics would say they they shouldn't be taking contested two-point shots, contested three-point shots, and contested um, layups of the basket with a seven-footer. So I think those are all things that I'm looking to implement um, in, my de- in my defense when I get the opportunity to lead my own program, but also open to learning um, from any other coach that I have the opportunity to. I think it's a little bit weird because I've only been at Westtown. So that's kind of skewed my, my viewpoint. Obviously, I won't have the benefit of having the talented players all the time that we have at Westtown when I get to college. So I think that it'll be a good opportunity to kind of get to learn from different coaches on my staff, as well as colleagues and peers in the business, see what they're doing well, see what adjustments they're making to their defensive schemes and defensive plans and kind of continuing to adapt those um, those theories into my own philosophy and then putting out the best product that I see fit for my team each year. Yeah, like that's like that's a huge like starting off with the big man like that's like the old generation of basketball like getting the big man like making sure they're dominant can be dominant and potentially the best player on the team and like getting the ball inside getting the ball in like those are huge traits and like having like a bigger team like what separates you from like having like versus like a team that's a god dominant team versus you guys who brings in like terrific bigs and like what separates that um, I, th- I don't know if it necessarily separates us. I think we have the best of both worlds. If you look at our roster, Jalen Gaffney was a 2020, no, 2019 player for us. He is the, uh, he's playing significant minutes at UConn. Uh, our head coach's son, Seth Berger, uh, our head coach, Seth Berger's son, TJ Berger, is a freshman at uh, Georgetown. Uh, we have a wing, Noah Collier, 2020 graduate at Pittsburgh right now. Um, Jair Bolden is a grad transfer at Butler. Um, Cam Reddish, guard forward, that is uh, that obviously went to Duke and now plays for the Hawks. Brandon Randolph went to Arizona and uh, now plays for the Bucks G League team. So we've had talented guards and forwards as well as talented big men. So I think we have the best of both worlds at Westtown. Being an elite academic school as well as an elite athletic school, we have the opportunity to draw in very talented players both in the classroom and on the court. So again, I think we have the best of both worlds. Um, and when you see guys like Cam Reddish going to the NBA and the development that they have over the Cam three years at Westtown, Jalen and uh, Jalen Worley, who's our, our senior point guard, has spent four years. And when you see the development that these guys have had over the course of their four year, three year, whatever the year, uh, whatever the amount of time they spent here, how much better they're getting uh, because of their time at Westtown and because of the development plan that our head coach is putting in place to help those guys reach their highest level, it makes it really easy to want to come to Westtown. So I think we have the best of both worlds. We are able to recruit really talented big men, really talented guards, really talented forwards. So I think, again, we have the best of both worlds because of the experiences um, that our head coach has uh, putting or, or playing a small part in our guys' development over the course of their high school careers. That's awesome. Like, how are you guys able to recruit those type of guys? I'm like, let's transition to the last part of the podcast. So if you can give us a preview on, like, what you'll be discussing at the coach's hang time this Sunday now, like, if you can talk about it, if you could talk about that a bit, would be greatly appreciated. Of course. So I have to, again, have to give a huge shout out to Coach's Hang Time. They're going strong almost a year now. So they've had speakers on probably, they've maybe missed four or five weeks over the past year. 
and they're doing an absolutely great job. Coach Dario, Coach uh, Coach Carrello have done an absolutely amazing job bringing in Gino Oriema, uh, Mike Neighbors, just to name a few of the the heavy hitters in this business uh, to get on their Zoom call and, and and help grow the game. So really fortunate they asked me to come on. But uh, my presentation is all going to be about um, how you can add value. And, and it, the, the title of the presentation is How to Climb the Mountaintop and just different things that I've done over the course of my career at West Ham to help position myself to hopefully get on the Division One staff this offseason, next offseason, whenever the time is right. Uh, success stories, things that I've learned, um, as well as things that I've learned and grown from, uh, different experiences of talking with my head coach, talking with different coaches across the country uh, about recruiting, ways to add value, uh, different things that you should be doing as an assistant coach that is looking to move up, whether that be to be a high school coach, to be a college coach, to be an NBA coach, whatever the case may be. So we're going to talk about all of those good things. And then we're going to finish out with some of the best blobs that I've seen um, and sent out to college coaches over the course of me running my newsletter. So we're going to talk about my story, my journey a little bit, and then we're going to finish up strong with some really great blob actions from different college coaches um, across the country. That's great. And I can't wait to hear all about it. And like, hopefully, like, if I have time, I'll definitely hop on it this Sunday. And thank you so much for coming on, coming on this podcast and taking time out of your day to do this. Like, I know you got a game today or two. And like, I wish you the best of luck in, in your games. And, and I'll be rooting for you guys this season. And even after that, too. And yeah, thank you. so Just thank you so much for taking time out of your day to do this. No, absolutely. I really appreciate both of you guys, Lee and John, for having me. I think this is really great what you guys are doing. I think the um, the podcast piece is so big. I don't. I, I've never seen um, as many podcasts as I have seen over the past year, and I think the people have just been motivated to find time and, and really find their passion um, through different activities and, and through different ventures, just like this. So if I can play a small part in helping kind of help, uh, help supporting you guys in any way that I can more than happy to was really appreciative of you guys asking me to come on. And I thought it was a great time. And I, and I hope some, again, trying to find value. I hope someone that listens to this is able to kind of take away something that, that I said, um, over the course of this podcast. And again, just really appreciate the opportunity that both of you guys have given me coming on and allowing me to share my platform, uh, with your audience. Yeah, like it was so great to hear what you had to say, and and yeah, like we are def we are definitely like stay in touch with you. Like we can, I can help you on any way you need me to. Like I am currently just just doing schoolwork, and <laughs> like I'm I'll be able to help you out as well as long as help as well as helping us out too. Like thank just thank you again for being able to come on this podcast, and and like. I hope you guys had a great time watching this to those who will be viewing the podcast and have a great day.